Gentlemen, the voice you just heard, mouth of the south, Slimmy Heart. <laughs> Welcome to the hottest podcast in the history of this town. Papercake.com. That's what Joe Biden said. We talk about industry news uh, and the books we're reading, new and old. We don't discriminate. This week's book club, Potter's Field, by none other than Mark Wade. And we read, can you clap? We read your letters to close out the show. Letters at paperkeg.com. You just said it like you couldn't be bothered with it. Can we clap? Let's just move on. Uh, Street Sweeper Club doing the intro. Everyone always asks me that. Google them. Uh, You're new to the show. Welcome. Thanks for listening. Um, We're a comics podcast. You know, there's a lot of filth out there. A lot of garbage. You know, they sound like they're recorded on two cups connected with string. Listen to their... Recording it with some uh, blog, record your phone call right. device. I don't even know what they're doing anymore. It's Who knows? Heinous. Let's go around the room and introduce our illustrious guests this evening. Please introduce us. Uh, he's a podcast bad boy. He's a family man. He's got a child and another on the way. Mm. Uh, he loves anthropomorphic books. Anthropomorphic. Dale underscore A on the Twitter. Welcome. Uh, thank you for uh, having me. Uh, Paper Keg 62, everybody. Can you believe it? Who would have thunk? Uh, moving across the room from our podcast studio, he is working on revolutionizing the comic book scene. He is as yet... Unpublished. He loves self pity. You're right, Slim. <laughs> uh, welcome to the show, our dear friend. Jonesy loves beer. Thank you for returning once again to the Paper Cake Show Den, where we make the magic happen, as it were. Uh, add Jonesy loves beer on the Twitter if you want to hear more comedic gems such as that. <laughs> Uh, finally, returning, setting a new record, two weeks in a row. <laughs> he is a published writer. Uh, he might be on Tosh.0 soon. Stay tuned. Yes, hello, TV. Former DC historian, Black. 
black. Mark black. Farrington, welcome back. Spoilers, he is black. You just ran out of accolades, didn't you? <laughs> None of us can speak. <laughs> Good to be back. I'm so hopped up back. on accolades right now. Welcome back, everybody. I think they put that in your five-hour energy slip. <laughs> I would be surprised. Uh, 62 episodes. Wow. Book club this week. Book I'd never heard of until I checked out our fancy Google Doc. Potter's Field. Collaboration. Running high. Collaborate and listen. That's some kind of song. Yeah. Anyone else know that one? You no. Know. I got it. I got okay. it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, news. What do we got in the, uh, oh, snap. In the world of news? Oh, that's my cue. <laughs> Dale underscore oh, A. I got to get on this. Let's kick this segment off with sneakers. Sneaker talk. Kick. The Marvel <laughs> Reebok collaboration. Marvel-themed Reebok sneakers coming at you. Did you see these? I have seen Did these. Did you see these? I have not. Please describe they these to me. They look amazing. They have themed sneakers. They're not all like one product line. There's the uh, different, uh, you know, th- different characters match different, um, I guess, sneaker models. They call them models in the sneaker industry. I have industry. no idea. Um, Forget the intern, sneaker intern. Uh, you know, so there's a Wolverine sneaker. Slim's already ordered 10. There's a Deadpool sneaker that's very reminiscent the the Reebok Pump. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sabretooth shoe is a is a outdoorsy hiking shoe. Okay. The amazing, epic Captain America shoe. It looks great. The Captain America shoe looks completely amazing. Mm-hmm. And it is beautiful red and blue and leather. It actually looks pretty good. I would buy a pair. If How about I that Chamber they... shoe? What are they doing with Chamber? And that cockamamie Chamber. What's he doing getting his own shoe? That guy... I mean, <laughs> It's better than Maggot getting his own shoe. That was the worst. Do we have an estimated retail value on these shoes? What's the MSRP? The M- there is no MSRP as of yet. There's Free. no release date as of yet. Oh. Oh. Um, so, you know, they're still working out the deets on that. Probably, you know, only the a high level, like the Fat Joes of the world can afford these shoes, whoever are in the sneakers. I don't is know. he still alive, for Manos. He's still alive. Good yeah, for him. Big pun is... Uh, Dead. Rest in peace, oh, rest pun. in peace, big pun. Uh, but check out these shoes. I would actually order a pair of these kicks. Order me some. I will. I'll wear them. Size right. 11. Right after I'm done talking about Damon Lindelof. I heard of this guy. Created Lost, right? He wrote Lost. Uh, Ultimate Wolverine vs. Hulk. Star Trek. I heard of that, too. Star Trek remake? Yeah. yeah. Guess what he says? There would be a Marvel movie that he would like to do bring to prominence. You ready for this right now? Iron Blow Fist. Your mind. Is it Iron Fist? Uh, next item is the... <laughs> yes. <laughs> Iron Fist. Thank you. I thought you were going to play along with me, but yes. It is Iron Fist? It, I was totally guessing. It is Iron oh, Fist. Yes. God. Get out of here, Damon Lindelof. And, he's, and Damon says, they probably won't do it because of the, the close to the name of Iron Man, so they probably won't but he would what, like to take a what crack about, at it. What about the fact that no one gives a crap about Iron Fist? Could, could that play into not making the are you movie? Read, are you, have you been reading the new Avengers right now? That no. would be amazing. No, I haven't. It what's would be doing? good. It would be amazing. He's what's, ready. What's he doing in New Avengers that makes me want to give a hoot? Well, not Iron Fist. That the whole fist. thing where the Phoenix is the Iron Fist. Are you getting this now? Mm-mm. You have read it? Have you even opened up these comics for support? I saw a to... cover with Iron Fist on it, and I almost went up inside myself. <laughs> you know what? Once you, upon a time, that's about Dale quotes, everyone. <laughs> once upon a time, about fifteen years ago, I bet you didn't care about Blade. Now, did you? You're... Who's to say I care about him now? Yeah, the first Blade was great. The movie. The movie. 
That's what we're talking what, about. What, he's a comic book character. What has he done outside so of Blade One, the movie? I'm saying you can take a minor character like Blade and make him interesting. Iron Fist will be good too. I don't really understand why we derailed the segment this far about Blade, <laughs> especially but when I, I I could be the voice of reason and bring us back. That especially when I had a good joke lined up about Slim pulling up inside of himself. <laughs> I was going to say something like, "So your externals are not hanging out with your internals." <laughs> like I just he, don't understand Iron Fist. He's a he's a ninja. Well, he's he wears, Danny Rand. He's the fist of the. No one cares. Can we keep going, please? Jonesy's just Favorite we had a discussion before this. What happened to the negativity being gone? I don't know. You brought it back. I brought it back. I think it was my negativity towards Iron Fist that I brought back. And I, yeah. I apologize to everyone who's a huge Iron Fist fan. I really do apologize to you that you have terrible taste. You know, <laughs> just stop listening. Fiensta. Fiensta's probably rolling in his grave. He's he, actually practicing his Iron Fist. He's going to come visit you later. Yeah. His Canadian Iron Fist. <laughs> he's just going to punch towards you, and he's not even going to touch you, and you're going to feel uh, it. Let's move on. I apologize to all Iron Fist fans. Damon Lindelof especially. I wonder how this is going to like get him derail him. Mm-hmm. His creative mind is not going to be the same. He's doing a Batman book with Jeff Lemire. Really? The Weekly Digital from DC. You just made me sparkle <laughs> in my eyes. I cannot wait for this book. You just made my externals go even more external. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, DC's doing some funky Batman digital stuff that's going to be weekly, 99 cents, you know, 8, 10 pages. Man, you're always on the, the cusp. Uh, ben, you, just, you, ben, made me, you just made me slither, slither myself down my leg like a snake in the Garden of Eden. You know what I mean? Ben Templesmith is doing another <laughs> Batman book. <laughs> That's all. Uh, the second that's all episode the always gets a little nutty, it folks. Does. Uh, you should check it out. Like Nine Nine Cents. Bat, uh, you know they're doing that Amy Comi girls. You heard about this? You seen this? No. What is that? It's a DC digital thing that they're doing. Uh, Amy Comi girls is some kind of uh, sexy. Oh, is that the Japanese the sexy girl, girl DC uh, statue line? Right. Yeah, but, but they're, they're making a comic. They made comics. It's actually pretty good. You know, I I meant to listen to an interview about that very subject. No, it's it's slim saying just listen to it. If you uh, want, okay. We're running out of time. Uh, thanks, Iron Fist, for derailing uh, the show. I'm sure you're great. Danny Rand. Danny Rand. Just to update the people since then, I've rolled myself out like the red carpet for the Oscars. You know what I'm saying? Let's get into the comic talk right now. We talk about new and old books that we've read, that we enjoyed. Maybe we had a great time reading, you know, a knee-slapping event. Uh, I want to hear from the most miserable man in podcasts. <laughs> Jonesy loves having emotions. What did you read this week? I want to talk about, uh, since it's been out for a couple of weeks, so I, I don't feel bad about spoiling it. Irredeemable 37, the end of the series. Yes. Uh, showing the, the Mark Wade a lot of love. Um, I'm not going to lie. I kind of lost some love for it in, in the early 30s uh, just because I thought it went on a little too long. But. It's great in the last five or so pages of the book that you realize this was the idea that Mark Waite had the entire time and based this whole story off of it. And I'll explain to it is, and if you haven't read it, I apologize, so please skip ahead. But uh, Plutonian and uh, Modius are finally, they're having their last conversation, their last face-off. You know, Modius has promised Plutonian that I'll give you a chance to redeem yourself and and change what you've done. Plutonian thinking, of course, you could send me back in time so I can stop myself from all the evil I've done. But that's not really it. Modius 
sends Platonian out as a thought, a fragment, an inspiration into the multiverse. You know, the speech alludes to the fact like you have no idea what your true potential really is. You think it's physical, but really your being is so much more. So cut to, you know, a 1930s neighborhood. Two young boys uh, are collaborating on their first comic in a notebook. Um, You know, they're talking about, you know, I just had this great idea that just sprung into my mind. I don't know where it came from. They draw the classic outline of Superman. And you see outside on the, believe it's the mailbox saying, you know, Schuster and Siegel. And you realize that Platonian, in a way, is the inspiration for Superman and this cosmic story that the Platonian burst out in the multiverse is responsible for our real world Superman. It's pretty cool. I hope right. I, I hope I get, did it justice. I had uh, read somewhere that that similar idea has happened already in the eighties in the Superman book. Mark, can you corroborate that information? Unfortunately, I can't. The earliest one. The only thing that I thought that was similar to was the ending to Superman Red Sun. Mark Millar's brilliant oh, that, finish. That was great where the um, Kal-El is slowly dying and the descendant of Lex Luthor sends his son back in time and his son is Superman. That was pretty good. Exactly. Um, yeah, I agree. I think Irredeemable should have stopped after like early 20s. Yeah. I, maybe even sooner than that. Maybe a twelve issue mini would have been the way. The to part go. where he goes to prison was yeah. where I dozed off. Agreed. That was late teens. Was it? I think so. Yeah. Well, you know, better to burn out than fade away, as they say. They say. Hope not. Dale underscore A, you are a fan favorite on this podcast. That's not debatable. A slim favorite, if Thank anything. You. Thank you. That's all that matters to me. Surly over there as he takes a gulp from his lager. Have another one, Bishop. (laughs) Uh, What did you read this week, Dale? Um, I want to talk about a little book, uh, Batman Incorporated, Hmm. Numero Unos. By Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison, Chris Burnham. Uh, Batman Incorporated is a book... Mm-hmm. Prominently featuring Batman and Robin, Damian Wayne, and Bruce Wayne. And uh, it is about uh, Batman and Robin. Uh, and they're in this slaughterhouse. And all this blood and gore is happening around them as mm-hmm. as the goat-headed clan of uh, some sort of... Gang. gang. Goat gang. It's like, the goat, it's like the goat gang from Dragnet, the movie. Yes, that's exactly what I thought about too. The pagans, wow, great reference. Thank you. The pagans, uh, <laughs> they are slaughtering cattle as Batman and Robin are uh, taking down these goat heads, and the book is uh, narrated by one of the uh, a bounty hunter who was out to get Damian Wayne because his mother Talia has uh, put a bounty on Damian Wayne's head. The mother of the Year award, crazy. Right? So. Uh, he, it's almost uh, he's justifying the reason why he's hunting Damian Wayne, and he's got a kid, a sick kid at home. He he drives cab in the city, and he needs this money for his kid. And if it, and if that's what he's going to do it, to make money is to kill Damian Wayne. Well, and there are probably worse ways, I guess. Family he first. Family first. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so there's a lot of that uh, uh, narration going on. I enjoyed it. I read at it the too. time, and um, I I love the book. Whoa. I love the back. And, I love the uh, back and forth between um, Batman and Robin, which I loved in the uh, the other Batman and Robin too when they uh, when they kicked that off, mm-hmm. and uh, Bruce f- first came back. I forget what was that. That wasn't Batman and Robin number one, though, was it? When no, Bruce, Batman and Robin number one. That was Dick and fifty two was was them. Yeah, and Robin the other one was was Dick. Yeah, Dick uh, and Grayson. Damian. Um, but uh, so that's what it's about, and it's about the uh, the rise and prominence of, the, of this Leviathan character, who is basically making a power play to, you know, just like uh, many many comics about gangs especially in gotham he comes in with a show of power and say and basically leviathan's taken over you can join or you can get killed like this one guy they just made an example out of mm-hmm. um but uh what a great great issue there was actually some of the uh other batman batman involved which um you know was the uh, the incorporation that bruce wayne is funding all these different batmen and um, they were all apparently killed. Yeah, or their deaths Bef- were fakes, maybe? They're, they're, yeah, they, they faked their own deaths so nobody would know that they still existed. And one's father had died, too. Okay. Was, and was this off-panel, or was this before Flashpoint? This was before Flashpoint. This is dating back into Grant Morrison's run in Batman. Okay. That when he met the Club of Batman, and then throughout, since that point forward... They kind of introduced these guys one on one, and I'm, I'm I'm asking Mark questions here, but you definitely don't need to know this information to read this Batman Incorporated. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the question that I had, and I tweeted it out, and Seth Breedlove um, tweeted me back was, I liked the Batman and Robin stuff, but the book is Batman Incorporated. So how much of it is going to be Batman and Robin, and not, not these uh, these extra Batman? Probably, so it's probably going to change, and then I'm going to stop reading it. it. That's that's my fear, which makes me just want to read Batman and Robin, but it's not Grant Morrison. I love that line where Bruce breaks into the, well, there's a couple great lines in that book, but he breaks into the room, and uh, Damien's already kind of mopped up, and he's like, and this is Bat-Cow. Because he line. saves yeah. a cow. <laughs> great Bat- line. Bat-Cow yeah. was great. And the uh, the art, Chris Burnham, it was beautiful, beautiful art. Internet darling, is Chris he? Burnham. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And the colorist too, Nick somebody I think. That's a weird name, Nick somebody. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I mean, it's guess like a surname maybe. But uh, any name before the, with the last name somebody. <laughs> you know what's interesting about this book Nathan. for the hardcore fans? Tell me. It takes place in pre-Flashpoint continuity. Nathan Fairbairn. Wow. How do you know? Because Dick Grayson is still Batman. Tim Drake is still Red Robin, his classic costume, and Stephanie Brown is still Batgirl. That that's Leviathan Strikes, not. Batman Inc. number one. Right. But that's flowing into this. So I'm assuming they could reckon it I out. Think but th- I think they did because Leviathan Strikes was, if I remember correctly, it was a combination of like two or three issues that were sort of done and they just held off and released as a one shot. That sounds familiar. Um, so, yeah, Leviathan Strikes did have pre-52 continuity, but this one I think I'm almost positive is post. Um, yeah. We got to keep rolling. I do want to say it's post too, but everybody, and I, I greatly enjoyed Batman Incorporated. There's not many DC books I'm reading anymore, but I enjoyed this. Action Comics seven seven five. 
Yeah, oh boy. Went back to the archives. Yeah, boy. I, uh, Mark Farrington is uh, pre-New 52. He was a big shot. He knew all there was to know about the New 52. And he swears up and down about this particular issue. Uh, what's it called, Mark? What's so funny about truth, justice, and the American way? 99 cents. It was on sale. You know, uh, during, was it on sale? 99 cents? No, I think was it was it just new. I just bought it. You just, just, I just tapped it up. You tweeted me and I bought it that instant. Thank you for that. Uh, this is a Superman one-shot, you know, one single Warren Ellis-style story. Oh, yeah. Uh, where there's these super beings that are taking matters into their own hands. And they're just killing villains. You know, Superman is, uh, he's, he's too slow now. These, these, he's, he's going to these, these events, try to help people. The elite, as they're called, have, uh, they're done. They took care of business. They eradicated the threat. They tell Superman, you know, you're old school. This is the new style. This is how things need to be done in society. You know, you're, you don't want to talk people off the ledge and, you know, get them help. We kill them. We kill these bad guys. That's what we do. So Superman is having this internal struggle. You know, maybe I am. Maybe I'm at a date. This is how the world works these days. You know, this is what people want. Um, so he, the these elite characters, they eventually, you know, they they all decide they need to do battle with Superman. Superman's like, I gotta, we gotta get this over with. You people are villains. You're killing people. You need to be put away. Um, eventually they have this big fight, uh, and. I remember reading about this scene, like in Wizard back in the day. This is always talked about in Wizard as like the quintessential Superman story, um, because uh, during the battle, Superman makes it look like he kills the members of the elite. Like he goes over the line to get rid of these people, and the main, uh, the team leader, he's got you know these badass uh, telekinesis powers. So Superman depowers him, he says, by using x-ray vision to uh, get rid of this abnormality on his brain that gave him these powers. Goodness. Uh, And then after that, it's revealed that he really did not take out the team and that he tricked this guy into thinking that he went over the line uh, to take care of them. So the, the team is, you know, is fine and really, he just used this trick to put this leader character on ice. You know, he like put him so sedated that he couldn't use his, his telekinesis. When I first heard about the story, it was good. The issue was good. When I first heard about the story, I thought that he really did use his X-ray vision to get rid of this guy's uh, powers. So when I read, when I continued reading that page, and he said he didn't, I was surprised. I always thought that he did use his X-ray vision to uh, negate his his superpowers. Didn't he say something like he used his X-ray vision to identify the part in his brain, then used his heat vision as a scalpel through his eyes? Am I making that up? No, he does say that, but that's not the case. And then he said, "No, I'm just playing. I gave you a concussion." Yeah, I gave you a, like a super concussion, and you know you're just gonna you won't be able to use your powers for months, and right. by that time you'll be under lock and key. Good heavens. Um, so, but the, my question is, you know, he goes through the team members one by one, and it literally looks like he kills these characters to the point where what's the main character's name? The villain, Manchester Black. Manchester Black sees his teammates getting killed. How does Superman 
trick Manchester into thinking that his teammates are killed. Do you remember? I think he was just moving so quickly because he scatters them one by one, and the fight is kind of shown through Manchester's point of view so that he'll have his eye on one of his teammates a few feet away, and in the blink of an eye, the guy is gone, or maybe the only thing left is his hat or something. Right, and there was one where the Superman created a windstorm where right. this one guy, it was so strong that it crushed like his lungs or something. And Manchester's like, oh my god, that guy's dead. He couldn't even breathe. It was like the ending really threw me for a loop because I was on the impression that Superman did cr- like tiptoe on the line and get rid of this guy's superpowers. So when I found out that he didn't, I was kind of bummed, to be honest. I remember reading, the first time I read that, it came out when I was in college. And I remember... This is pre-internet, so I had no spoilers, no previews. I'm flipping through it, and I'm thinking, I can't believe it. Superman really did kill these people. Mm-hmm. And I've since come to the conclusion that I think he just kind of did it to make a show out of it, just to show you I can. Like, hey, don't mistake my kindness for weakness, all right? Right. Uh, okay. Tim yeah. Bradstreet did the cover. Great cover. It is a great cover. Did the old Welcome Back Frank covers. Internet darling. <laughs> and the other image that stood out in my mind about that book is throughout the story in between him fighting the elite he's going to his father he's going to his wife saying hey i don't know if i can take them yeah and then both of them are trying to talk him down separately in different times of the day when they have this conversation saying you know you don't have to do this you're superman like if you want to back out of this one it's cool we get it (laughs) i don't know if you can take them what was the scene where he's in the fortress of solitude with steel and he's, like, cleaning his face with lava. Do you remember that scene? I do remember that scene. That was on one of the subplots that was going on It was really in the book. I don't know if maybe it was just, like, he gets powered from that, maybe? I don't know. It was really, he, like, walks over to a pool of lava and is, like, dripping his face on it. Like, he's, like, you know, he's, like, sweating, so he needs to pour water on his face, but it's needs lava. Needs to cool off with lava? <laughs> I guess so. It was, like, byproduct of... He exfoliates. Superman exfoliates. I don't even know what it was. But there was a cool scene where he, um, he, for a brief second, wonders if the world has passed him by. And then Steel's like, what was that? And he's like, nothing, nothing to worry about it. So that was cool. It was a good book. Good issue. I'm going to pick it up. I just did. On the app. On the app. Just so I can see where Tucker's monkey on art. Doug monkey killed it in that issue. Is he on that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mark, it's really good. Farrington, we're running out of time. You know the only other bad part about that book? I hate Joe Kelly as a writer, except for this and I Kill Titans. But I he, Kill Giants. He did uh, Deadpool, right? He when did that Deadpool. First came out as a series. What else he, did he do? He did JLA for a couple of years, but it was a little tough to read. Hmm. Yeah, I think. What doesn't he do? Ben Ten? Didn't he like do Ben Ten with Joe Casey? And they're just kind of like counting their monies from that. Uh, the guy who stands out in my mind from Ben 10 was Dwayne McDuffie. That was one of his creations. I know at least Joe Casey had something to do with it. Like he, Len Wein, too. What? Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Because hmm. uh, he's like Ultimate Sp- uh, Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man. Len Wein? No, Joe Kelly. Oh. <laughs> he's right. Happening. Man of action. He's right. Oh, man of action. Uh, Mark Farrington, what did you read this week? I read Green Lantern number nine. Green Lantern number nine is... Part three of a four-part story, Hal Jordan and Sinestro are on the Indigo Tribe's planet. Hal is trying to get the brainwashed Sinestro free, who's now become a member of the Indigo Tribe against his will. Throughout the course of the story, Hal comes across the man who, with 
the help of Abin Sur, both Hal Jordan and Sinestro's mentor, Green Lantern, this guy created the Indigo Tribe. So we finally unravel a four-year mystery of who the Indigo Tribe are. We learn that Abin Sur and this guy created the rings who harness the Indigo Light to, one, initially repel an invasion, and then also it became apparent that the members of the Indigo Tribe are universally hardened criminals. And so them getting these rings is kind of their sense of atonement. Now, Abin Sur was doing this to prevent the Blackest Night, which he told uh, Hal Jordan. When Hal is talking to this other Indigo guy and says, Blackest Night already happened. We won. The guy just freezes. He's like, are you serious? Yeah, we stopped him. Good guy saved the day. So as soon as he hears this, guy just starts falling down, uh, disheveled. Can't get himself together. Destroys the Indigo Lantern and says, all right, well, now the core is destroyed. He goes, wait, don't do that. Why are you doing that? I didn't mean the Indigo core. I meant the Green Lantern core. That's the third part of the prophecy. We learned through this guy that Blackest Night was only part two of the prophecy. The third one is going to be that the Guardians themselves are going to destroy the Green Lantern core. So he destroys the Indigo Lantern. Sinestro and the rest of these hardened criminals are now free. And how Jordan is trapped and surrounded with no power in his ring. Cool. Good book. How is Blackest Night, like, the continuity of DC just makes my brain hurt. I was just thinking that. it Because that Green, Green Lantern basically got a pass, right? Like, and there the was Bat no books. New 52 in the Bat Books. Right. They got a pass, but everything else got revamped. And, Batman, like, Batman has really bitten Urban Legend for... A few years, and yet he's already had five sidekicks. Exactly. How, how effed up? It's so silly. The more I think about it, the angrier it makes me. I know. Like, I'm just getting angry because I, I had actually forgotten about that. But so yeah, so, so Tim Drake has our Nightwing has been Robin. Uh, Jason Todd has been a Robin, died and come back within a few years. Yep. Uh, and Damien. Yeah. It's nutty. There it's nuttiness. Within the nine months Tim of the Drake new 52. Tim Drake has already grown a red robin. Yep. Mm-hmm. Within the nine months of the new 52, I can shoot off countless examples of their continuity just just bashing into each other and not meshing well. And I, I mean, I and I love Green Lantern. It's probably my favorite all-time title in DC. But, I mean, those, the Guardians just get on my nerves. The Guardians just, there's so much storyline involved with them, it's so annoying. Isn't there a rumor that they're going to go to a zero issue for the new 52? What's Apparently, that? What's rumor? all of September, all 52 issues are getting a zero issue. And they're not letting you know if it's the stuff that happened prior to issue number one, Nobody if it's the kickoff to a new event, you don't know. Don't iron fist this right now. You need to pull don't it iron out. Fist Derail. This. Derail. Uh, but there's also a rumor that they might renumber again. Get out zero. Here. That's that's Stop. just something that I've no, heard. He's right. There's something going on what with DC do? apparently. But why don't they re- just renumber every year? Just go ten issues and then back to number one. We uh, talked about that. Throw his beer across the room. We've said <laughs> that we wanted that. <laughs> we have wanted that before on the if show. If we were running these comic companies, we'd be trillionaires. <sighs> Pre fifty two has done a lot, of, or new fifty two has done some good stuff for DC and the industry. Dandy Digital. They were, I'm going to say, the forefathers, mm. but. From a continuity story standpoint, it's not adding up. It's just not. Good. Do you think they're gonna? Do you think they're gonna have a crisis or a book where they merge the realities or they go back? Somebody asked. I think it was a Flashpoint Crisis. Andy Corey from Comics Alliance asked, "Is 
the new 52 continuity still a part of the regular timeline? Like, are these the same characters, but something changed and they're still in the timeline, or is this, like, a totally separate timeline? Like, Batman that has, like, super, I don't know, like, Superman is still the same guy, but something changed where now he's living a different life. I think it will be if they need a new article in USA Today and uh, more PR. Lightning well, round. Lightning round. Lightning round. Save it, save it, Mark. Here is return. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, two sentences or less. A book you read. The Walking Dead, 98. Man, talk about these guys being ruthless. I'm kind of on their side. My prediction... It ends at issue 100. Lightning rebuttal soon in your eyes. Gotta see it. <laughs> Maybe. Avengers Academy, number 30. A book I started reading because of the AVX tie-in. A book I'll probably keep reading after the AVX tie-ins are over. Especially with that skinny little X-23 running around there. Superman Family Adventures Number one The Owly Of the DC Universe Read at all costs Fantastic Four 605.1 what happens when Reed Richards teams up with Adolf Hitler? Jesus. <laughs> Finally shows the origin of Jonathan Hickman's Council of Reed Richards introduced in his first issue. Rebuttal. Potter's Field. Mark Wade, mm. your podcast's favorite writer. Uh, Boom Studios uh, put this book out. This book, uh, Jonesy Loves Beer picked out. I did. Um, have you had a successful pick yet on the show? Was the last one the first one? What, I only had one successful pick, and what was it? I cannot remember. I don't remember either. But it was only one in yeah. 60-some episodes. <laughs> so hopefully this is number two. So this uh, this is a three-issue miniseries. Uh, limited, if you will. Jonesy, what's what's this book about? Okay. Um, the main character in this series is aptly named John Doe. He has no identity. We just know that he is a normal man with detective skills and something to atone for. And his life's mission is to identify all the unknown people in Potter's Field, which is a real cemetery on Hart Island in New York where they New York City buries their unknown dead bodies. So he has taken it upon himself to find out who these people are, what is their story, and he will uh, take a chisel and hammer and put their name on, their, on the engrave. Uh, to do this, he has um, created an underground network of agents, people that owe him something or admire his work or who are willing to assist him to this end. Usually the family member of a victim he's identified and kind of put their story to rest have agreed to help him. 
And the three-issue mini is, it kind of turns the concept on its head, which I love. And you find out that the story is really about somebody who's trying to stop him do this work. But in that essence, it lets us tell the origin of this character, if you will, if he even has one. So, great multifaceted story from Mark Wade. No surprise there. And what a great concept that isn't familiar with anything else I've read before. Totally new and uh, really exciting. And I wish it would have been more than three issues and a mini. Can I say something? Can I be honest right now? Sure you can. You hated it. I was stunned by this book. I loved it. Really? Yes. Number two. Stunned. Jonesy's on a hot streak. He's tied with Mark on consecutive episodes appeared on. <laughs> you Jonesy, Jonesy had an easy pick. It was written by Mark Wade. It was a guaranteed <laughs> quality oh, okay. book. All right. Guaranteed. Do you want to try reading Irredeemables volume three through five? He's your favorite writer's favorite writer. I've said it before and I'll say it again. But what did you think of Potter's I thoroughly enjoyed it. I wish it were longer. I wish there was maybe one more issue. Yeah. The, uh... The ca- the, this character, I mean, this is like Mrs. Fletcher in comic book form, this guy, this John Doe. This could be a recurring yeah. s- uh, role, yeah. I- this issue, comic book series. Um, this, he's always wearing these glasses. Oh, sorry. The Six Gun was my only other home run. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, this guy, you literally don't know anything about this guy. He's wearing these big, gaudy highway patrols that I love. His his face is always like at an angle or in darkness. Uh, it's very similar to how Matt Murdock is in his current run of Daredevil. Like, there was one scene where he had a crowbar, and I, like, literally looks just like Matt Murdock. Um, he has this, like, he has this, like, shadow team of people that he's either blackmailed into helping him, or he's done something to help them in their past. And they're kind of like his microchip of the Punisher. Um,. I, I this is great. I, the the so the ending has a lot to do with his team, you know, kind of helping out towards the end. That was the one aspect that I wish there was another issue dealing with the backstory of his helpers because they play kind of a role at the end where it would have had a more emotional punch if you kind of maybe <laughs> knew more about them. Okay, or yeah. maybe knew why they were helping him. What a great. HBO hour-long TV show this would make. Don't you think, kind of looking back, mm-hmm. do one story, you know, you could name the episodes after the person he discovers, and you just have a, a rotating cast of people that are his, you know, celebrity helpers, and it's just the one main character going through this world. Like, how great would that be? It's just, no, what a, what a I yeah. just can't say enough about it it just blew me away i mean after the intro to the uh, the first issue where it shows his methods of how he does what he does and what he can has the ability to dig up i thought it was just going to be that but then it's turned on its ear because him and his team is getting played by somebody who is seeking revenge against him and a, and a rival gangster mm-hmm. so it's like it's not all about john doe putting these people to rest at all towards the end it's him about trying to save his own skin because he's getting played because of the skill set he has he's uh somebody kind of approaches him with with the uh the mindset of him helping them but it turns out he's just getting played 
to uh, to go against this rival gangster. I love that the first issue is told by one of his agents because some girl is sl- sleeping with him to to play him mm-hmm. to get him more information on him, and that's issue one. Yeah, it's not like I'm John Doe and I'm doing this great mission. It's this guy telling this admir- you know story of admiration about the guy because somebody is sleeping with him to get. You know, right. leads. Oh, wow, great! And at the end of the three issues, you don't know. You still don't know anything about John Doe. Nope. You know nope. nothing about his backstory, and the only bit of backstory that we got was when we read the uh, is it Stone Cold. It's like a yeah. one shot, another addition to the story. Yeah, but you really don't even know. Even then, it's just like a possible tease. Mm-hmm. As they to speculate what his name is. that he has to be some sort of detective mm-hmm. because he knows all the. The procedures, right? When he get, he has a cop friend uh, who's in, um, I forget what financial crime, and he knows that it's someone who arrives first on the scene, and she's like, "Well, how would you know that unless you were?" And then they kind of never talk about it after that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's crazy. It's so good. Mark Farrington. I struggled to find a way to talk about this book because it was just over in the blink of an eye. I loved it. Uh, it's interesting to see Mark Wade do gritty because when I read his stuff in the past, it's usually his superhero stuff. But uh nearest comparison I can make to it is you ever sit down with your wife or your girlfriend or whoever, and she's watching TV show 10 minutes in, you jump in skeptically because you got nothing better to do. By the time it ends, you're like, when's the next episode? What did I miss? How do I catch up? Huh. That was this book to me. Mm-hmm. It was just over, but, before I could get into it, it was over, and it was a great book. Uh, John Doe is a guy who avenges cold cases, period. That's all I knew going into the book. That's all I know going out of it. The cases were interesting. Uh, I liked how they were just so organic. None of them ever felt contrived or like a typical uh, kind of case that a guy's going to follow. And after having read so many horror, criminal, or superhero stories... Every expectation I had going into this book, like maybe John Doe is psychic, maybe he is special. No, it wasn't there. He's just a resourceful guy. Mm-hmm. Every time I thought that this guy was going to be a criminal, no, it wasn't. It was somebody else, and it was an organic twist. It wasn't just, I'm going to pull this guy from left field who was on half of a panel. Yeah, that's like I tried to, I kept trying to make the connection in my head when I read this, like, oh, John Doe has to be some kind of. Uh, Columbo savant genius detective and it turned he's just really manipulative right. and he uses that to his own end it's not a power he's not a genius he's not a natural detective he's just really good at making people do what he wants them to mm-hmm. do and he uses that for a good purpose how about yeah. when he uh they show the backstory of the missing girl oh man and oh, it's revealed wow. to be the host's daughter oh what a great was, twist that was amazing it was so great because the they show in the background of one panel this woman this harpy on tv who's like a kind of like an i guess nancy grace mm-hmm. she's screaming at the camera about her opinions about crimes and stuff and it's just like us he lets slip he's like i wish somebody would shut her up or something like that like you don't even think anything about that she's going to play into the rest of the story and then it turns out that uh she, the only re- reason she's on TV is because she was a victim of a crime where she thinks her husband kidnapped and killed her their daughter, mm-hmm. and then the husband killed himself, and she blamed the husband. The husband ended up doing that, and then he digs up 
uh, he f- comes across a cold case where it turns out to be their dead daughter, and he brings up enough evidence to where it, it turns out the husband killed himself because he felt so guilty, but he didn't really do it. The building manager held this girl in captivity for like 10 years doing God knows what with her, and then he presents this newswoman with all the information, and he says, and he basically blackmails her and says, you better keep doing what you're doing because if I hear that this uh, guy, uh, there's an apology on, I forget how it goes, but basically he wants things to remain the same, but now she has to live with the guilt that she killed her husband. And he yeah. like uses it as future blackmail. It's like, if I need something from you, you're going to do it. Not only am I going to make you feel like a, a D, right? but uh, pretty much I'm going to use you however I want, or I'll just reveal it. Yeah, and that'll and ruin, ruin your career. Ruin, your, <laughs> yeah. ruin what your career is so, going. And then, to your point, Jonesy, he's so Machiavellian drink. about it. Yeah, drink. He's so Machiavellian about using people. You just see the buildup of the story in flashback fashion. By the time you cut back to her, she's stunned, jaw drops, doesn't know what to say, and you're waiting for him to say something like, "I'll lock you up. I'm telling the cops, I'll kill you." And without missing a beat, he goes, "And now yell me. Now and you just keep, and oh, you keep doing what you're doing. I will come back for a favor, and I will get it." Like she's now she's got to live with that, but she and yet she's still got to continue on with this point of view that she thought she had this whole time, and now she's just like totally turned upside down. But she's got to continue with her TV persona. When, when this episode posts, we all have to bombard Mark Wade to see if he's allowed to make more Potter's Field comics. Done and done. And John Doe is one of those guys who's just two steps ahead of anybody. Like, remember in the beginning of the first issue where he's talking to, I want to say the coroner or the forensic detective. He's drinking a bottle of water. They're talking. Oh, yeah. He starts fishing for information. John's like, stop fishing. And he leaves, puts down the bottle of water. The forensic scientist reaches for fingerprints, starts to dust the water bottle off, runs them. No fingerprints come up in the police scanner. A second later, his cell phone rings. Unknown caller. It's John Doe saying, nice try. Yeah. And hangs up. I, I actually love, like, even the simpler interactions. I guess it's uh, in the Stone Cold where he goes, I don't know if he visits the corridor again. Maybe it is, and he's uh, he pays him with baseball cards because he knows he'll do oh, whatever no, he wants. Uh, it's the hacker, dude. The oh, hacker. the hacker. No, he, that was the hacker, and he gave him an action figure. It was, and, uh, it was mint. Oh, because he goes, the, uh, the, back, was... the back matter is a mint, and he's like, neither is your breath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that was, was good. good. That was good. It was a great one-shot. I thought the one shot was really good, Stone Cold, because it, I mean, the guy's heart's in the right place, but it just shows that, you know, maybe what he's doing isn't so good all the time because uh, he drags this female detective into it. As it turns out, there are detectives, there are policemen on the force of New York City who are doing identity theft of, of dead victims who didn't have any family that that could easily find out that they're, they're, these victims' identities have been stolen, and these cops are treating themselves nice and buying all these things. As it turns out, the, you know, they have, there's no right reason for doing it, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's tied to 9-11. Yeah, Mark Wade doesn't play it easy. It's, it, the guy, the crime is because a 9-11 guy who went down to do the right thing got yeah. the idea that he could be a criminal off of it. Yeah, I mean, th- I mean, they were just doing the right thing. They, these poor, you know, these poor identities of people who they're most of these people would never be identified in the remains and uh you yeah, know it's a and victimless these, crime sort of mm-hmm. deal and uh it's and 
now, you know, sure they brought down all these policemen on the force, but the, everybody knows the female detective helped John Doe bring these cops down. Yeah, he and these makes are just her a host cops. of enemies. Yeah, yeah. He, like see, he even says that. He's like, oh, yeah, I guess now everybody in the force is going to go after you since you're, you're turning into cops. Which Narc. is, I mean, it's very, like, you could almost feel for this lady. I mean, she did only trying to do the right thing, but now the rest of the force hates her, and they're all good cops, and, I mean, they're all human. Yeah, it was almost, and then at the end, he there's kind of a teaser. And do you think he did that to show, like, almost an apology, or, like, because he gives her that note? Oh, um, oh, he yeah. says, you know, yeah, because yeah, it's like, hold on to this name, because someday you might need it. Like, I feel bad that my blackmail has put you in the position, so I kind of, I don't give you the way to get back at me, but I give you a lead. Mm-hmm. And the name is Jennifer or something. I couldn't make out the last name. Oh, I thought he was just looking at a gravestone. No, no, it's it is a gravestone. It's a picture of a gravestone, and oh, it's backwards it, in it's the glasses. Maybe, hmm. maybe she ended up at Potter's Field. What's great about John Doe is throughout all four issues we read, oh, yeah. there is nobody who sees any character who interacts with John Doe is not happy. Jennifer, if you're dealing with who is it? It's Jennifer Vineyard. Oh, wow. I didn't notice that the first time around. Google I thought it was his Jonathan name. Vineyard. I'm calling it right now. If there's ever another comic, I called it. Intern. <laughs> if you deal with John Doe, it's not a good thing. You're either about to get effed or you eff somebody royally and it's coming back to you. Effing is about to happen. Yeah. So you should expect. In one way or another. They should just call him John F. <laughs> Last question. We have read, I don't know how many Mark Wade books, and consensus seems to be you guys like them. Is there... I'm curious. Is there any way I could ever get you to read his greatest Flash story? Sure. Mark, uh, we're running out of time. Uh, we, yes, Mark, uh, I will read it with you. Oh, we got your letters. <laughs> Thanks, Dale. <laughs> Dale's now my new favorite. Maybe ever. we'll talk about it on the fireside. What a show. Anyone want to have the last word on Potter's Field? Um, Mark Wade, look out for your Twitter because I'm we're about to blow you it up. up. Oh, he's getting blown up. Blow it up. Some, we're gonna call it blow it up something fierce. Please have a better relationship than Steve Niles and IDW. <laughs> we got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. I just noticed that after 62 episodes. <laughs> letters at papercake.com. Send them. We'll read them if they're good. Uh, Mark, do we get any this week? We got a couple, and I'm going to start with Seth, who's hoping that his letter, his letter sparks a righteous debate between myself and the rest of the, the crew. I'm ready. That erupts into a full-blown brawl when Slim states that Wolverine is a better character than the whole of the JLA combined. But his question is, it seems like other than Mark, PK is fairly Marvel-leaning. Curious about what it is about Marvel that you prefer over DC. I'll take this question first. Do it. Um, listen, I cannot relate to a man that has every superpower in the book and is perfect. I cannot relate to, you know, somebody who could put it on a ring and can make a green car. But I can kind of relate to someone who has an ability that detriments them in some way. And you it's know a terrible what? Answer, terrible answer. How's that a terrible answer? It is a terrible answer. Okay. Keep going. No, 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 no. no. F you, Mark. You uh, answer the question. Reverse, no. reverse self-pity troll in effect. <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible answer to my own opinion. <laughs> I'm glad we're in agreement. 
Dale, Slim. Uh, I grew up on Marvel comics. First off, uh, so I didn't really read any DC books, but you know, Spider Man grew up a loser, grew up a nerd, kind you of know, like have my any, answer. Didn't have any friends, you know. Uh, he he got these powers, but at times they negatively affected his life. You know, feel for that guy. You feel for him. Wolverine is just a sexy badass. What's not to love? He is sexy. He is a sexy. No, he has a troubled past. You know, I feel, I emote for that character. You know, I have an emotional connection to someone that has a troubled past and it affects their their daily lives. You know. There it is. I respect that answer. Thank you. Yeah? Um, I think it's <clears throat> it's similar. Um, I think when I was younger, Marvel was just more in the spotlight. You know, in the in the, the X-Men cartoons, uh, Spider-Man. This was before, uh, you know, Batman. There was Batman in the animated series, but um, you, ju- you just end up... I just ended up relating more to Marvel early on. And, you know, with the uh, tie-ins and crossovers and stuff like that, you could easily kind of jump from one Marvel book to the other. Uh, my first intro to DC, anything, where the uh, DC trading cards, uh, my inf- first intro to comics alone were in trading cards, really. But And, and the, I, rem- I just remember being so overwhelmed with the DC trading cards. I mean, they were like... The whole section of the characters, there were like three cards with the the Silver Age Flash, the Golden Age Flash, and the Modern Age Flash. And it's like, what what, what am I even doing here? Look, I have <laughs> three different Flashes. How do I even start? Where do I start? I think I had those cards. They were like, they had a silver or gray like outline on the I card. I have them. I, I still it, it have just, them. Yeah, I still have them. And they're just like, bloat. there was no way I was about to, what, what, what Flash do I start with right now? Mm-hmm. It's confusing. And then there was a, uh, you know, the 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 Green Lantern with the, uh, the 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 diamond golf ball with the little tentacles coming out of his. Get out of here. <laughs> you wanna? I won't cut you off. You wanna? No, know. no. Actually, I think Slim said my answer the best. Thank you. I Thank. find DC characters. You're right, Slim. To be more <laughs> engaging. <laughs> like, yeah, it's hard to relate to Superman and Batman. Can't argue with that. But I can like the hooks for each character more than I do Marvel. Like, one character is a single father who is dealing with abandonment issues. And when his mentor abandoned him for his best friend, he got a drug habit. And when he tried to clean himself up, his mentor kicked him out of the house. Or I like the hero who gets a ring in an alley and is trying his best to be a hero. His girlfriend gets killed, and he has to look at all of his peers who tell him in the face, you'll never be as good as the guy who did this job. Just quit. But how did you get into that before you get into Marvel? Honestly, through the Super Friends. That was my first exposure to superheroes. So watching the Justice League as a little kid, I always just recognized Superman and Batman as characters. Okay. And then when I got 10 and the X-Men were on, that kind of drug me in Marvel cards. Mm-hmm. But my first memory of like cartoons is going to be... Super Friends, Batman, Superman. How about the epic? Uh, it's kind of almost like tropish now, but it's a huge part of the character where you know the famous cover where Spider-Man has that huge machine on his back and the water's falling down, and he's oh, like yeah. thinking of everyone that depends on him and how 
he would fail if he can't, you know, keep fighting and he finally gets that thing off of him and it's just like the ultimate victory for never quitting. It's Spider-Man. Comic's greatest moment. That's mm-hmm. one of them. Love it. I want to marry Spider-Man. You know, I, I will say, you know, as much as I love Marvel for more of the uh, intellectual reading, like I, I like the stories better right now, I guess. But, you know, not for nothing, I, I grew up with Batman, the animated series. That got me into comics. Uh, that and the Spider-Man issue, my pop uh, for me. But, uh, you know, my wife surprised me with a Batman cake at my wedding. Like, Batman's my go-to character. That's a beautiful so cake. I, I can't, yeah. I can't say that, you know, DC doesn't hold a place in my heart. I just think that, as an adult, the stories I always go to are yeah. Marvel stories. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I, as an adult, I can say I'm more mature. I, dev- I love DC, and, uh, you know, the first, one of the stu- first DC stuff I actually re- seriously read was the uh, 52 that we talked about last episode, and that w- didn't feature any of the main three characters. So that was like a, you know, baptism by fire, because you didn't know, if you didn't know Batman, Superman, or Wonder Woman, I didn't know DC at all, basically. I mean, there was uh, ancillary characters. Boom. Seth Plug. Um, so, uh, but uh, I'm way more mature, and I can say that D- I mean, DC does some fantastic stuff, and then they reboot their comics, uh, you know, all oh, that at was once. Infuriating. DC, when they rebooted it, they took away one of the biggest things I love about DC. I love legacy characters. Yes, it makes it harder to jump into them at times, but I love the fact that you've got the younger hero, whether it's a family member, sidekick, or whatever who's trying to live up to the older hero's shadow. They died, they retired, whatever, and they're trying to be that good. And sometimes they fall short. It's That's one of my favorite tropes in comics, and I don't see a lot of that in Marvel. And I and, lost it. I mean, and, and through the book clubs we've done here, like uh, Starman... Secret Identity. I would have. Ne- I mean, these are all beautiful DC books mm, that I Secret hope Identity. are just so amazing. Starman. Starman, Starman is just Man. like holds a place. That's how you bring up Secret Identity. It was it almost tipped my heart to DC when you said that. Yeah. Do and we, and I got to give sorry, Slim. I got just got to give props to the new Fifty Two because I because of it I was reading way more DC. Yeah. It felt way more. I actually for, I read a ton more DC now than I ever did because of the new Fifty Two. So if they had done that when I was, you know. Younger, and I knew about it. I would have probably, you know, been closer to DC at the time because I'm closer. I'm probably closer to DC now because of the new Fifty Two than ever. Mm-hmm. Did you ever go back and finish reading Starman? No, I actually just uh, borrowed the. I had the first four Omni buy. I borrowed from a friend, but I'm waiting for school to let out and stuff like that. Cool, so you're in for a good read. Did we get any other letters this week, Mark? Thanks, Seth. A last one from James and. San Jose asking if we ever decided what to do with the format after Slim moves or Jonesy or Dale have their kids. And he's a big fan over in the West Coast. Thanks, James. Thanks, San Jose. I think we're still working the kinks out because we had a great idea in between episodes. So I think it'll be, I think, look forward to some new kind of content from us uh, for because of our geographic locations, shorter in length. So maybe. 20, 25 minute episodes dispersed, interspersed with our hour longs. I say was about the only thing we really have nailed down. Slim, would you agree? Uh, yes. And my, you know, August is right around the corner, guys. Yeah, and I think I think what we do know is there'll definitely be two 
full-length paper kegs a month. What mm-hmm. we do with the other two weeks a month, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's up for It'd working out the kinks. And it might change every week. Who knows? We're crazy. We're certainly just crazy pants. And we got our finger on the pulse of what the people want and what the people need. So, you know, there's that, too. What a show. Super wind column? Gen Z, Gen Z looks more miserable than I've ever seen him. No, I'm good. I just kind of cough. Remember when Mark just raped you about your, your comic book Marvel DC question? Actually, yeah. Uh, your opinion is S. <laughs> and please stop your response because nobody living wants to hear it. And then he reached over and smacked me with his huge feet. But that's why we're <laughs> friends, though. I can do all of that. Yeah. And you took the hit. Oh, yeah. Right. Next week, what a show. I have toe marks on my cheek. Stay tuned for the book club announcement. Tell your friends. Yeah. Tell your friends. Maybe we'll be back next week. Mm. All four of us? Question mark? Good question. <laughs> How about Jansen being hammered that episode? Huh? Let's yeah, talk about come it. That was not this, how, many beer, how many empty cans are right next to This right episode now? has totally justified one of those beer helmets for Jansen. <laughs> Never. I mean, he's just been chugging bop cans of beer. Should call this episode off the wagon. <laughs> Dot com. To answer my own question, there are five empty cans. <laughs> five in, in an hour. Our episode next to him right now, and that's oh, just thirsty, the second so. episode. He's squirrely looking right now. Well, You're squirrely. My eyes are almost completely closed. He's all lie. propped up like a Mrs. Robinson. Yeah, trying to, uh, he's like ready to coerce you into bed. He is. In he's posed right now. <laughs> I don't, I don't feel comfortable, Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> what was the? I had a rebuttal. What was? What was your? What was Mark? What was your lightning round? Fantastic Four six oh five point one. Oh yeah, so that's recent. And Reed Richards meets Hitler. It takes place on like an alternate Earth where Nazi Germany took over and won the war. So Classic Reed German. Richards is a Nazi scientist. Uh, Johnny Storm and Sue Storm are members of like the Hitler Youth Camp, and Ben Grimm is in a concentration camp because he's Jewish. Not like Boy Scouts. It was wow. I remember the Hickman on the Twitter, where it's like Marvel didn't even care that there was not even a jumping on point. For the point one, it's a point one issue. They're just like, hey, Reed Richards is in Nazi Germany and is a scientist. The perfect jumping on point. So they're just like, why bother? Yeah, I did find. I think that was weird because it was like fi- finally find read the secret origin of the Fantastic Four or something. And it's like this doesn't even matter. Yeah. To six sixteen. Well, what, what are- was weird about it is it has such an important part of Jonathan Hickman's run in this story. Hmm. But it's buried underneath all of the what would happen if Reed Richards worked for the Nazis. Right. And so Question we ask every day. Going into 6.05.1, you had to know that there were different reads on a Reed Council. Right. Yeah, which was really weird. I wonder if this was just something, a story he wanted to tell but couldn't weasel it into his the, the FF schedule. 
Having said everything we just said, it was interesting, but it's not something I'd hand somebody like, could I you re- want Fantastic Four? Read this. Could I read it without reading the last 20 issues? Not without questions. Point one. Yeah, point point fail. <laughs> uh, book club. Did we pick the book club for the next show? We did. We did. Hellboy. Ooh. What? Shut up. Hellboy. Yeah. Volume. The, Volumen one. Was that Seeds of Destruction? Is that what it's called? I think. Uh, it may be. Is my mic even on? Help. Hellboy likes don't beer. You, don't I you think. worry about that right now. <laughs> Hellboy Volume 1. I have to fire up that old Dark Horse app to Let me see install what, it. Let me see what we got. I got it. I'm going to load it up right here. Load it up. And then we have, uh, do we pick the episode after that? No, I will save it for the next fire. Thank, thank you for saving <laughs> save that. It, save some content, please. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So we do want to tease. Do we, we, we might have picked the date for the tweet up. Yes, oh, we yeah. might have picked yes. the date. Big, big news. Uh, mark on your iOS calendar apps. What's the date again? July twentieth. July Friday. July twentieth. It is a Friday, but it's a what? Friday. That works for most of us. So. We. It literally took twenty five minutes for us to look at all our calendars <laughs> and find a day where we were all free. It was really sad. Never, could have been a fly on the wall. never do a podcast live with three <laughs> with other people. Adults. It's not three worth. It's not worth it. It really is worth it. Stop. Uh, July twentieth. We're it's nothing big. We're just gonna go out and have some beers, the four of us, and you're all invited if you want to go. Anyone who hears this is invited. Sure. The biggest hook about this tweet up is, as of right now, all four of us will be there. It might just be the four of us. But it'll be the four of us going no out guess. and having I, uh, a great time. I no did Mandy. the groundwork and, and reserved the day via text with my wife, and she agreed to it. Oh, wow. okay. So right. I might even take this day off of work. What? Just, I have a half day. Jones is going to be ass-faced before yeah, we even get there. You're not even going to make True. it. True. Didn't you, the Nerdcast meetup. Oh, up, let's not talk about it. You had to be driven home, I think, like an hour after everyone got there. Uh, I did have to be driven home, but I left with everybody. You showed up all cheeks blush. Uh, That's the first time friend, I ever met you. Our friend Whiskey Girl Nine had to take me home on the Twitter, uh, and I laid Whiskey in the Girl back of her sob and just looked at the lights as I drove. That home. was a good time. That was quite a good time. That was a while ago. Mm-hmm. That was years ago. I remember he, you bought six PBR pounders at once, and they just <laughs> they just handed you the six <laughs> pack. Yeah, I do. Recall. And you carried it over to the Jazzy couch. He waddles over there with the yeah. couch and his PBRs. And then we started beautiful singing. Thing. The first words out of our mouth is singing the same song together. Well, I remember what? that. Beautiful. What were you singing? Oh, oh well. Well. I forget what well, it was. It wasn't that it important. Was, it was good. Journey, maybe? Bush. Was it Bush? Gavin Rosdale? How did you come up with that random? Yeah, know. really. I think I tried to say Rush and Bush came out. It was uh, older. I know that. I remember. I wish I could remember what it was because it was pretty amazing how we just clicked. Just like that. Just like friendship immediately. Best friends forever. It's like this. Uh, let's wrap it up here. This is getting a little out of hand. Mark, do you have anything to say uh, in the fireside? Location for the tweet up? TBD. To be determined. To be determined. I had a couple suggestions. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Your boy. Uh, what What about the place where you guys did the meetup um, after Free Calvin Book Day? Was that a good spot? It was in uh, Wilmington. I mean, it was that too far in, of a it hike? It was in Delaware. It's doable. I th- it's doable. I think uh, for a Friday. Yeah, that's Philadelphia what Philadelphia might me. be more centrally located to more people. Yeah, within right. within train, I mean, public transportation distance. Love the train idea. Not me. You know, I live too far out in the country for any train. 
to come. You're pick probably up my gonna hands. ride via horse and buggy. Hopefully, somebody's driving other than me because I'd like to enjoy myself okay, for your, once. Your wife, yeah. designated driver, she's pregnant. Yeah, if she could have her drop her. you off, have her drive around, go get some cupcakes in the city. Mm. Yeah. Are you we know? extending this invite to the gang? Will we have? Will we have other guests, episode hosts there? Sure. Titus sure. Yeah, the tie tie. Please come. Guests of honor if they can get away from the store. Oh, yeah. Let me shower you with hugs. Tie tie. That's going to uh, make them not go. Beth Corto, who knows? She's got a busy social schedule. She's probably going to be on one of her Farrington esque vacations. You mean her ninth vacation in 2012, and it's already May? Next two are already planted. planned. I'm sure as soon as Don Garvey hears this, he'll be there. Um,. Craig, Craig and Philly. Craig, Craig and Philly. Philly? Okay. I would like to meet Craig and Philly, actually. Uh, be cool. Where's Ramsden? Is he local? He's in Hotlanta, I think. The ATL? Oh, yeah. well, what about the ancillary characters, guys? They're not local. Like Ohio or something. Yeah. Well, it's always a seven-hour drive. They can Seth stay at your love. place. That's they fine. can stay on I got the show, couch. This time a year ago, Fiendsta drove down to hang out with us. He did. That's right. For, for, for Wizard World. World. Yeah. I went time. there. I went to Wizard World. Oh, yeah? yeah, you barely even tweeted about it. It was like incognito. Yeah, what, what was happening? It Twitter was dark? not Twitter dark. It was not Twitter dark. Are you getting a lap dance? Is that why? <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually, uh, I went with my brother-in-law, uh, Frank. If you guys, you, we've all met him, haven't we? Yep. At my bachelor party? No, I didn't. Uh, so, oh, you met him. Is he the one with the goatee? Or is yes. he the one that fell asleep at the diner? The he goatee. The, I believe he was the one who was trying to barter for prices at one no, of the no, clubs no, we that, went to. That was Timmy. We went to a that gentleman's club. Yeah. We had a good time. Yeah. yeah. Great time. So, Sounds regardless, amazing. he is a big Star Trek fan, so we went for the five captains. And we, uh, we, thanks to my paper cake press pass, we actually got, like, third row. Hmm. Um, what a terrible panel, though. He he was a big fan, and he was really disappointed. What what was it? What five? What, Cisco uh, was there? Was William, the there? Yeah, William Shatner, Avery Brooks. Professor X. Uh, Professor X. Uh, Scott Bakula, uh, Sam Beckett, who was hammered, it was great, and Kate Mulgrew was there. So the what was the? the how, was there a lot of people uh, in the panel? It uh, was packed. It was in that big theater room where you have to walk. Um, who moderated it? Uh, I, I don't know her name. Some blonde chick. Why did, who's why on did TV. it stink? The que- the they basically the panel was all questions from the crowd. And like the first Awful. question was a guy who uh, who came up and he was like, "I just want to let you know I don't like Star Trek, but hey, William Shatner, tell me about your love of horses." Oh, and God. Kate Mulgrew, how about your Broadway career? And then halfway through, the guy admits, "Like, yeah, I don't know anything about this stuff either." So, like, why would you even let that J bag ask a question? What a jerk. Who, hate, this is why I hate hate people. Yeah. People ruin everything. Did he get booed? He did. did. He get booed. Did you Good. throw um, like a shoe at him? No, I, I, I. It did was. You whoop his, did you whoop his ass? No. Did but you, you tell him you were from Paper Keg? No, I did not. Did you show uh, me your press pass? I. That's how I got in. <laughs> Funny story. I walked up late, but uh, they give you these big armbands and it had big, you know, big letters press. And this lady's like, "Are you a member of the press?" And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> Please come this way, right up here. So we did. We we got right in. It was pretty cool. No, but, I uh, to find, what happened to this guy? Did, did, I, I I don't know because he was so far behind me that I don't see what happened to him. But can we get him at the meetup? <laughs> tell his side of the story. Hey, I want to throw my shoe at. But him. Uh, I know. No, but and there was there was some Star Trek questions, but um, it, it just it there were not good questions. I mean, it was everything I ever heard. Like, what was your man. like? One was like, what was the creepiest episode? 
Well, a lot and of that has to do with the moderator. The moderator yeah. has to really run that stuff. That she didn't do a bang-up job. She but I tell you, the funniest person on that panel was um, Cisco. Drunkula? No, he was a D-bag. But um, uh, Cisco... Like, they were asking this complicated question, and, like, he had no desire to be there. He would lean up. Who's Cisco? Who's adjust, black guy? Adjust black his guy. Um, sunglasses and just be like, no. And, like, <laughs> lean back in his seat. Was he just leaning back and counting the cash that he got Pretty paid much. to be on the Yeah, Because, exactly. you know, they got some kind of coin. And uh, Patrick Stewart was the best one, though. Was he, he into it? A, was he too total, cool? He's a total or? pro. Though. Patrick Stewart? Patrick Stewart. Yeah. He, he, was, he was the best one. He was the most lively. Uh, he was the most... He took the questions the most serious, and there actually there was this moment that I felt really bad. Is Majil Barrett was Gene Roddenberry's wife, the creator of Star Trek, and you know a fan comes up and says, uh, "You know, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I love Gene uh, Roddenberry's body of work and Star Trek. How was it like working with his late wife? Was that like a big honor because Gene passed early on?" And Kate Mulgrew and Scott Bakula looked at each other like, "Who's Majil Barrett?" and uh, Picard was like, I, I got this, guys. She was a wonderful woman. Oh, she did a lot of guest spots on my show, and he told this really beautiful story about her. That's a classic. And a couple funny jokes, and he saved that question because everybody else looked like a D-bag. Oh, because they didn't know who she was? Right. And and like Picard's like, oh, and just here's a funny story. For the first two years, I didn't know she was the voice of the computer, but, you know, all this great stuff. Okay, I was actually going to ask you, with no sass intended... His answer, Picard's, did he act? Could you tell that he genuinely knew who the person was, or was it a generic? It was great no, working no, no. with her. A- actually, from the from the panel, you got the you got the impression that he knew the most about the fandom. Really? Yeah, Shatner like kind of treated it like, um, like it was just his vehicle to make more money. Cisco, Cisco said some nice things. He said, "What really." Uh, attracting me to the role is that I understood that Star Trek uh, is the only fandom that really stops and thinks a long time about what they want to say before they say it. And as a, a black man in America, I appreciate that. So I thought that was a really good quote. Jonesy added that part. From that. No, that's, that's there. That's in the that's quote. There. Um, there but I thought and... Scott Bakula was just hammered the whole time. It was great. And Picard was the best one up there. Picard's uh, episode of Extras, Ricky Gervais's Extras, Doesn't one of the go. best. That's on HBO, so I can't watch it. It's on HBO. Man, remember when Wizard was a respectable comic book yeah, magazine? And I'll tell you what, what angered me most about the con is all I wanted to do was go get a couple sketches because I knew um, Capullo was going to be there. Mm-hmm. So it was Probably Greg canceled Horn. like everybody else. Greg right? Horn was going to be there. And He's so was there. Umberto Ramo. <laughs> Ramos. Excuse me. Oh, beer, he was there? Beer so, bubble. The no. Big. When I got there, Capullo left for the day, and it was like 2 o'clock. Greg Horn, nowhere to be seen at his table. Neil Adams was the big draw. Probably that blisters guy's, on his that feet. guy's the Looney Tunes. I'll tell you this right now. Mm-hmm. He's back so I left, crazy. I left without a sketch. It was not about the comics this year. It was all about getting celebrity autographs. So I might not go back next year. Wizard, it's about that now. Wizard World has declined from a respectable magazine to a D-rate celebrity sideshow. I did have a moment with Lou Ferrigno, though. Everyone has a moment with Lou Ferrigno. Nothing special, Jonesy. How much Fair did enough. you pay for that moment? <laughs> Free. 
Really? Free ninety nine. Free ninety nine. Did you like really try to like appeal to him? Like you understood his handicap and nope. like so you can understand. You're not. You just didn't speak, Dale. Did you tell him he was no robbed worries. on The Apprentice? Nope. Okay. So. Was it World Philly? Was it World Philly? No one mm-hmm. bared him. Kind of a bust. I didn't tweet. Didn't send any pics. Even the cosplayers seemed bored. <laughs> <laughs> I would have what actually made it down there if I knew Humberto Ramos. Well, Jonesy acts like yeah. a you know off the cuff these days. You know he does stuff he doesn't tell I anybody. Know, he's not, he just no. goes Hang to Wizard on. World. We, we discussed at length if we would still go because we canceled our table and nobody got back to we're, me. We're breaking the fourth wall right now. Jim. You know what vexes me about this though? It took <laughs> the man five hours yesterday to go to a barbecue we had at just Dave and Mary Sales House. That's actually a fact. But. You went to Wizard World with your brother-in-law when Just Dave said bring him. Jonesy was returning a vacuum went, for 12 hours. I went yesterday. Yeah. Saturday to Wizard World, <laughs> not Sunday. Breaking the fourth wall. I'm still wall. vexed. Guys, we're I'm breaking, still vexed. We're do me a favor, Mark. Buy a home, get married, <laughs> deal with a lot of in-laws, and then you tell me how flexible your schedule is on Sunday. Right, he's Five start, years from now, I will. After he's going to start, start cursing soon. Mic. He is going to start <laughs> cursing at Jonesy. Well, let's cut it off. Well, I'm cutting <laughs> off Jonesy's mic right now. I'm cutting it off. Just cut it. That's it. Jonesy's mic is off. We had a great show. Let's not get negative. You're right, Slim. <laughs> Let's not get negative. We'll see everybody uh, for Hellboy next week. We went over the limit, an hour limit. I hope everyone is happy. Yeah, I hope man. everyone is G-damn happy. Jonesy's mic is on, and he's still just mouthing it. And I just turned it back off. <laughs> uh, we'll see everybody next week. Love you. Good night.